grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Text for our meditation tonight, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, Matthew 3, 13 to 17, especially verse 15. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, consented. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the baptism of Jesus. What's the big deal? The baptism of Jesus, an historical event from 2,000 years ago, a part of our Epiphany celebration. Jesus is baptized. So what? I have to admit, for many years, that was my attitude. That was my approach. The baptism of Jesus, it's clearly in Scripture. But it had nothing to do with me. And it certainly had no connection to my baptism. I repent of that error, that, that foolish notion. But I'm also surprised how many people, how many Lutherans, how many Lutheran pastors have fallen into that trap. And so here we are, celebrating the baptism of Jesus. Let's legitimately ask the Word of God. So what? What is the big deal? Well, I would submit to you tonight that there are two really big deals going on in our text. The first is God's revelation of himself. These words of our text teach us who God is. God reveals himself as the Holy Trinity. One God in three persons, three persons in one God. God reveals himself to us as the triune God, perhaps more clearly in these words from Matthew 3 than in any other place in all of Scripture. We have the voice of God the Father speaking, thundering. We have God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, the Word made flesh, Jesus Himself standing in the waters of the Jordan River, being baptized. And we have God the Holy Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and landing on Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. Three persons in one God. A divine mystery. But a mystery revealed and clearly taught to us in God's Word. That's really important. That's really a big deal. 
but it still doesn't really address the question of why is the baptism of Jesus such a big deal? And we can add the two words, for me. So what? What is the baptism of Jesus all about? John the Baptist was confused too. He had earlier proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Jesus, this God in the flesh is the Messiah, is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is your only hope from sin. And so Jesus now comes to John. To be baptized by him. What was John's baptism all about? The scriptures are clear. John was sent baptizing. A baptism for the repentance of sin. Jesus is sinless. Jesus didn't sin. Not once. Not ever. You don't have to be a brilliant theologian to know that if you are sinless you have nothing to repent of and so John clearly knowing this John says we got something wrong here Jesus we've got something backwards John would have prevented him saying I need to be baptized by you and do you, Jesus, come to me? John knew he was a sinner. John knew that he was in need of the grace of God, the forgiveness of sins earned by the Lamb of God. John knew that Jesus, as the Messiah, the sinless Son of God, had no sin to repent of. And how does Jesus respond? Almost curiously. Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It's easy to look at these words and to say, well, Jesus says, God, my Father in heaven, says we're supposed to do it. So we're going to do it. Kind of like when the child asks the dad, why do I have to do this particular task? Eat my vegetables, clean my room, go to bed at a certain time. And the dad responds, because I said so. That's why. That's not what's going on here. Certainly. The Father sent Jesus to do His will. But Jesus is teaching us so much more. So much more about who He is and what He does, the person and work of Christ. But He's also teaching us something very, very specific about His baptism and about ours. Jesus says, we must do this. 
I must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. We throw that word righteousness around all the time. In our hymns, in our liturgy, in our preaching. It's all over God's word. And sometimes we just skip right over it. What is righteousness? Perfection? Holiness? Obedience? All the things we are not as poor, miserable sinners. There is only one righteous one. Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Jesus comes into this world to fulfill all righteousness. And let me add two words to that. Jesus comes into this world to fulfill all righteousness for you. Do you hear that? To fulfill all righteousness for you. This isn't just some divine checklist that Jesus has. Okay, uh, born of a virgin, yep, done that. Uh, get baptized by John. Okay, we got that one. No. Jesus comes for the specific task of being righteous, being holy, being obedient for you, for me, and for the life of the world. The righteousness of Jesus is the perfect obedience of Jesus. Jesus places himself under God's law. He is obedient. He follows the law. He fulfills the law for you. He is perfectly righteous. Jesus, the perfectly righteous one, goes to Calvary's cross as our substitute, bearing the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, all sin for all people. He is perfectly obedient to the will of the Father. Jesus dies the death we deserve. But death and the grave could not hold the Holy Son of God, righteousness incarnate. Jesus, perfect righteousness, bursts forth from the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. Jesus, the righteous one, who was dead, now lives and reigns forever. That's awesome. That's amazing. Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. He has fulfilled all righteousness for me. For you. So how do I get it? The righteousness of Jesus does me no good unless somehow 
some way the righteousness of Jesus comes to me. How many times we foolishly think that we can somehow earn merit or achieve the righteousness of God. It sounds like this. I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I need to pray Jesus into my heart. I need to make a choice, a decision for God. I'm going to will my strength and my faith and I'm going to spiritually ascend to God. My friends, all of these things sound pious and holy and good. But they're all a lie. They're all a facade. They all add or subtract something from the Word of God. Jesus is baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, the righteous one, is baptized. Doesn't make any sense. When we are baptized, we come to the waters of holy baptism. Sinners, unrighteous, polluted, drowning in our own sins. As unrighteous as righteous could be. So what happens? In the baptism of Jesus, Jesus makes the great exchange. Or as Pastor Moline likes to say, the great switcheroo. I love that. Jesus, who is righteous, delivers his righteousness to the waters of holy baptism. As we sang in that great Luther hymn just a moment ago, by Jesus' baptism, all waters now become a saving flood. Jesus has deposited his righteousness there. And we deposit our sins when we are baptized. Jesus assumes or takes our sins like a great sponge. They become his even though he committed no sin. The righteousness of Jesus becomes our own. Even though we didn't do that righteousness. His work. His love. His righteousness become ours. We cannot ascend to the God. We cannot do a time travel in a spiritual DeLorean back 2,000 years to Good Friday and Easter. God knows it. And so He delivers the deliverance to us. He connects Good Friday and Easter to the waters of holy baptism where Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness and He delivers it there. He delivers it to you. 
God, in your baptism, sends the Holy Spirit from on high. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit lit on Jesus, the Holy Spirit is delivered to you. The Spirit dwells not only on you, but in you, giving you new life. As the Apostle Paul says, making the waters of holy baptism a washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Or as Jesus himself teaches us in John 3, you are born again in the waters of holy baptism because you are born of water and spirit. And John teaches us in his first epistle, chapter 5, that there are three that testify. The water, and the spirit, and the blood. They testify not only of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the grave, but they testify of how God claims you as his own in his kingdom. As Christ hangs dead on Calvary's cross, as the spear pokes his side, water and blood flow forth. And this symbolizes or signifies how God delivers Good Friday to you in the waters of holy baptism, in the blood given to you to drink in the Lord's Supper. My friends, how easy it is to think of Jesus' baptism as a great story and historical account a wonderful thing that has no bearing or connection to me or to real life. Remember, everything Jesus does has a purpose. And everything Jesus does is, can you say it with me? For me. Jesus is baptized for you. Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness for you. He has made you a child of God. And as a child of God, we want to hear his word. We want to live a holy life. And when we fall short, as all sinners do, God does not condemn us in our sin and in our weakness. No. He begs us to return to our baptism where He delivers for all who are repentant forgiveness, life, and salvation. My friends, when the devil attacks, and he always will, there is one thing that sends Satan skedaddling away. When a Christian boldly says, I am baptized.
May that be your confidence. May that be your joy. May that be your righteousness. Today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our baptism, our righteousness, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.